0: Tell me your soldier story. If you're a sailor, marine, airman, or Coast Guardsman, sound off. For me, I was born into this. As the daughter and sibling of service members, enlistment came easy. At the budding age of 17, my mother signed off and I signed up. I attended basic training at Fort Jackson and advanced individual training at Fort Gordon in Georgia. Team Army knows, from flag to torch. So that's a high level look at my soldier's story, but there's so much more detail and nuance that we'll explore in this podcasting experience. My goal is to listen, learn, share, and grow. Although I'm a fan of the long form podcast, you can expect our time to be about 30 minutes. Each episode, I'll introduce you to an academic who will share the difference their education has made in their life as a service member, dependent or military supporter. I don't consider myself a poet, but you'll become familiar with a stream of consciousness that helps me communicate the process. When we came to this place, they explained the rules, but really there are no rules, just a bunch of common practices. So this list, my 10 ideas of these common practices to help you navigate along your way. Number one. A human receives two educations. The one given to them and the one they give themselves. Demand the best of both. Number two, everything worth having is free. So be careful of those who will monetize your love, your health, and your knowledge because the price will always be more than you can pay. Number three, love, it's the answer. Translating the question so all can understand, that's the problem. So learn to say love in as many languages as you can. Number four, Health. It's a trinity of mind, body, and spirit, and wealth is the karma of what you do with them. Pursuing the monetized while neglecting the free things in life will leave you poor, sick, and lonely. And that's a trinity, too. Number five, knowledge is power, and with power comes great responsibility. No, it's not mine, but demand the most of those responsible for that knowledge transfer, because with them lies the power. Number six, everything's a mirror. Look for beauty and beauty is what you'll find. Look for flaws and flaws are what you will find. So look long and look deep. Number seven, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. The beholder is you. So again, look long and look deep. Number eight, paying it forward is as important as saving for a rainy day. The investment you make in others pays in perpetuity. Number nine, truth, facts, and principles are constants that change. So never be so tied to Constance that you can't change. And number 10, the list of life is never complete. Start making lists, cross things off, celebrate, then make another list. The key is never skipping the celebration. Here's to all the women in your life. May we know them, may we be them, may we raise them. Take a listen. Honorary General, Mary McLeod Bethune was born July 10th, 1875, on a rice and cotton farm in Sumter County, South Carolina. General Bethune was the 15th of 17 children born to Sam and Patsy McIntosh-McClude. General Bethune was an American educator, stateswoman, philanthropist, and humanitarian. As a youth, Mary attended Maysville one-room black schoolhouse, Trinity Mission School, which was run by the Presbyterian Board of Missions of Freedmen. Because she was the only one in her family to attend school, she came home and taught her family what she learned each and every day. Mary attended Scotia Seminary in 1888 through 1893 before attending Dwight L. Moody's Institute for Home and Foreign Missions in Chicago, hoping to become a missionary in Africa. But she was told that Black missionaries were not needed. This was the wake-up call that moved Mary along her path. She became the head of an all-girls grade school in Dayton Beach, Florida, which historically became co-ed, then a junior college, before becoming a four-year institution that you know as Bethune-Cookman University. In 1911, she founded a black hospital that would treat black residents and did so successfully during the influenza outbreak of 1918. In 1917, she served as the Florida chapter president of the National Association for Colored Women And in 1924, she was elected as the national president. Then in 1928, she was invited to attend the Child Welfare Conference by President Calvin Coolidge, subsequently being appointed to the White House Conference on Child Health by President Herbert Hoover. In 1935, Mary founded the National Council for Negro Women, a consortium of 28 different organizations to work to improve the lives of Black women and their communities. During World War II, Bethune served as the political appointee and the special assistant to the Secretary of War. As such, She was named Honorary General of the Women's Army for National Defense. After the Women's Army Auxiliary Corps was converted to active duty status in July of 1943, she also served as an advisor for the new Women's Army Corps. And as an advisor to the Women's Army Corps and the Women's Army of National Defense, she successfully lobbied President Roosevelt to end segregation in veterans rehabilitation centers and frequently briefed the president on instances of violence against black service members in the South. Then, the council gained approval for Black women to be commissioned as officers in the Women's Army Corps. In 1944, she co-founded the United Negroes College Fund, or the UNCF, which is a program that is still in existence today, which gives different scholarships, mentorships, and job opportunities to African American and minority students attending historically Black colleges and universities. Mary McLeod Bethune died at her home in Dayton Beach, Florida on May 18, 1955 and was laid to rest in a simple gravesite behind her home at Bethune-Cookman College. As the third lieutenant, I salute Honorary General Mary McLeod Bethune. I'd like you to look into this episode's description to find a link to read the correspondence between Miss Bethune and President Truman that made commissioning an option for leaders like me, ultimately pushing our profession of arms forward. There you'll also find a link to a dissertation entitled Leading by Example, an Examination of Mary McLeod Bethune's Leadership as a College President. That dissertation was written by Tamika L. Rashid, Ph.D. General Bethune, she was the archetype for my next salute. The first Black female general in the U.S. Army. They say she challenged the whole system. Brigadier General Hazel Johnson Brown was born October 10, 1927 in Westchester, Pennsylvania. She was one of seven children born to Clarence and Garnett Johnson. At the age of 12, Hazel knew she wanted to be a nurse. As a child, she attended East Whiteland Elementary School, then attended Tifferdens Easttown Junior and Senior High School, where she was identified as an exceptional student. After graduation, she applied to Westchester School of Nursing, where she was denied admission because of her race. This was the wake-up call to move Hazel along her path. In 1947, she moved to New York City to attend Harlem's School of Nursing, then began her career at the Harlem Hospital Emergency Ward as a staff nurse. In 1955, Hazel enlisted in the United States Army seven years after President Truman eliminated segregation in the military. As a service member, she was a patient advocate at Walter Reed Hospital, working in open heart and neurosurgery. She took assignments as a surgeon in Asia that included stations in Korea, Japan, and Vietnam. In 1977, Lieutenant Colonel Johnson Brown became the highest ranking black woman in the US Army when she was promoted to a full bird colonel. Two years later, she was promoted to the rank of Brigadier General, taking charge of over 700 nurses in the Army Nurse Corps. She set policy and monitored operations at eight army medical centers, 56 community hospitals, and 143 freestanding clinics, in the U.S. and abroad. Her military decorations include the Army Distinguished Service Medal, a meritorious service medal, the Army Commendation Medal with Oak Leaf Cluster, and she was recognized as the Army Nurse of the Year twice. She obtained a bachelor's degree in nursing from Villanova in 1959, a master's in teaching from Columbia University in 1963, and a doctorate in educational administration from Catholic University in 1978. After General Johnson Brown retired from the Army in 1983, she headed the Army Nurses Association's Government Relations Unit, as well as directed the George Mason University Center for Health Policy as an assistant professor, and then a professor on her own. In 1990, during Operation Desert Storm, General Johnson Brown volunteered to work in the surgical unit at Fort Belvoir, Virginia's Army Hospital. General Johnson Brown died in Wilmington, Delaware, on August 5, 2011, at the age of 85. She was laid to rest in Arlington National Cemetery. As the third lieutenant, I salute Brigadier General Hazel Johnson Brown. On this episode of the third lieutenant, I'd like to give a nod to all the women in uniform who have been a part of my journey, many whose faces I remember, but whose names I may not recall. Thank you. And thank you to the following leaders. These are the women who have imprinted on my soldier's story. Major Linda C. Hasper, a 1988 graduate of Georgia Military College, the woman who helped me understand the meaning and power of Durloth. Major Charity Green Lee, a 2002 graduate of Emory-Riddle Aeronautical University, a mentor willing to let me peek behind the field grades curtain. Major Amanda Hara, a 1997 graduate of West Virginia University Institute of Technology, an amazing officer and skillful in civil affairs. Major Nicole Foley of the Pennsylvania State University Class of 1994, my most recent Raider mentor and fellow Signaleer. We are Major Neferteria Lovett, a logistician, 2002 graduate of Florida A&M, always willing to open up and look out and advise her namesake. Then there's the Chiefs, always setting the example. Chief Clarissa Lovett and CW5 Felicia Shern. You are the reason I still believe that unicorns are real. And then the onlys, while in Officer Candidate School, the only female training and counseling officer I had, Major Nelia N. Diaz, Class of 2014, University of Phoenix. Thank you ma'am for your support and guidance. Major Mendela A. Nash, a 2013 graduate of Columbia Southern University, the only female training and counseling officer that I had during my basic officer leadership course. She was my senior tech. She's a mother, a mentor, and respectfully a friend. Captain Conquita Wright, a 2005 graduate of Augusta State University, a medical officer who looked out for me when I was primo at the great place at Fort Hood, Texas. Thank you Captain Keita. My battle buddy and former S1, 2016 graduate of Temple University, Lieutenant Robin Lawrence, sending vibes forward to you battle. Then there's my recruiter. Why? Because you always have to thank your recruiter. Sergeant Echeverria, Thank you. My sister, Vanessa Richards, the first of my siblings to enlist. She was a combat medic, a 91 Bravo, and supply a 92 Yankee. Sincerely, I'd like to thank every woman who has contributed to my mitochondria. From my mother to my daughter, Great women, may we know them, may we be them, may we raise them. Carolyn Denise Richards, Sergeant First Class, U.S. Army, retired, was born February 10th, 1957 at Cook County Hospital in Chicago, Illinois. Carolyn was the seventh of nine children born to Bessie and Willie Slate. My mom graduated from Parker High School in 1975, then joined the U.S. Army at the age of 18. Sergeant Richards was an air traffic controller serving as a 93 Hotel tower before reclassing to a 93 juliet radar when she was an e4 specialist richards had me at Gorgas hospital just outside of fort clayton panama in 1979 as a dependent i accompanied my mother and father to assignments at fort lewis washington fort benning georgia and frankfurt in wiesbaden germany before my mother's retirement at hunter army airfield in savannah georgia in 1996 carolyn signed a parental waiver for me to join the georgia army national guard as a 74 bravo a computer systems analyst and in 2015 my mother gave me my first salute as a second lieutenant in the Rhode Island Army National Guard, making me a first gen, the first in my family to commission. My mother was my rock. She supported me when I became a first generation college student with a bachelor's in mass communications from the illustrious Savannah State University. And then again, when I received my master's in professional studies in cybersecurity and information assurance from the Pennsylvania State University. We are Sergeant Richards, mommy. Thank you. And I'd like to thank all of the amazing women and military leaders who have shared their stories, their journeys here with me. Captain Cynthia L. Turner, U.S. Air Force, a graduate of Howard University. Major Kimberly Mallard Brown, U.S. Army, a graduate of the U.S. Military Academy at West Point. Commander Melissa R. Troncozzo, U.S. Navy, a graduate of the University of Michigan. And Major Natasha M. Hines, U.S. Army retired, a graduate of St. Paul's College. For all the gentlemen who have been guests, I thank the women in your lives, your daughters, your wives, and your mothers for their support. One team, one fight. And thank you for listening, sharing, and reviewing the Third Lieutenant podcast, where we're on a mission to share how higher education is a key component to the success of servicemen and women everywhere. If you know a service member interested in higher education, ask them to listen, subscribe, and review to the third lieutenant. This message is brought to you by A Man's Cave, a spa for men pop-up where grooming and kings meet. If you're experiencing a crisis or have a friend or family member in crisis, call 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. Press the number one for the military crisis line or text eight three, eight, two, five, five. I say again, eight, three, eight, two, five, five. From our friends at a man's cave, Spa for Men pop up. Until next time, stay balanced and walk in peace.